start reading in verse 12. And if you have a copy of God's Word with you, I'd encourage you to turn there with me. I'm going to be reading these verses. We'll read down through verse 31, Mark chapter 14. And while you're turning, I'd like to give a word of thanks and appreciation to our communion uh, board, our communion committee, who uh, has the responsibility of setting up the table for us and the elements there, not only here, but in the overflow room and also this morning down in the FLC because we have a Sunday school class who is meeting down there live stream this morning. And I say that this morning because we were scheduled to, to observe the Lord's table last Sunday. And they were set up. They were ready to go, but we had an emergency on Saturday, and we had to switch our schedules around some, and they graciously took things down and then set them back up for us this morning. So thank you to our board, and thank you also to our deacons for your flexibility. Let's look at this account in Mark chapter 14 of Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. I'm going to begin reading at verse 12. We'll read down through verse 31. This is the word of the Lord. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city. And a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they drank, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. 
But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to them, said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful to you this morning that you have spoken to us through your word. And Father, as we gather together under your word, and Lord, as we gather together around your table, we pray that you would bless our time, and Father, that you would give us grace to look unto your Son, Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you can see from the reading, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper in the context of the Passover celebration. Celebrating the Passover was very important in the fabric of Jewish life. It was a commemoration of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And it was important to Jesus to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. Listen to what Luke said about this over in Luke's account. In chapter 22 of Luke, Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, all that we have read took place near the end of Jesus' earthly life, and it took place near the end of Jesus' time training his 12 disciples. Now, Jesus is taking his disciples into a new understanding of who he is and of why he came and of why he called them to be his followers. I love it in the way that Jesus takes takes the familiar and the foundational and he takes these disciples into a new reality and a new fulfillment as to what it all means. Jesus makes it clear that what is soon to happen to him is related to them and that it's all been planned. It's all happening to fulfill Old Testament Scripture. And you know, in the early church, the preaching of the word of the Lord and the observing of the Lord's table were central elements in their worship together. And the same is true today. The preaching of God's word and the observing of the Lord's table are central elements of our worship today. And this morning, as we get ready to participate together, I want to share three things with you about Jesus and the Lord's table that are found here in Mark chapter 14. And then I want to look at three ways briefly that the Lord's Supper can be a means of grace for you and me in our walk with the Lord. 
Recently, I, I was challenged and encouraged by a sermon on the Lord's table. It was a sermon that was preached 10 years ago. I heard it for the first time about a month ago, so I'm glad for the internet. Uh, I found this sermon and, and read through it and was, like I said, challenged and encouraged, and it was preached by a, a pastor here in North Carolina over in Charlotte. His name is Kevin DeYoung, and I mention all of that because I want to share some of the things that I gleaned from his sermon with you this morning, along with some other things. And I want to look first of all at three things about Jesus and the Lord's Supper from this passage in Mark. First of all, Jesus is the host of the meal. Did you ever think about that? Jesus is the host. He gave some strange instructions. He told two of his disciples <clears throat> to go into the city and they will see a man carrying a jar of water, which was very unusual in that day because men usually didn't carry water. But they were going to see a man doing that and they say, follow him. <clears throat> and then when you come to a house, say to the master of the house, who is a different person from the man carrying the, the water jars, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Well, those two disciples went, and it turned out just as Jesus had told them. And this shows us that Jesus is fully aware of everything that's taking place and that's going to take place. He's not a victim of circumstances by any means. He is fully in control. He made plans for the room. He even knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows that the disciples are going to flee. He knows he's going to be denied by the disciples. Particularly, he points out Peter. And he is aware of his imminent death and all that his death means. So he made plans for the table. I think it's good for us to remember and to think when we come to the Lord's table, think of Jesus as a host inviting us to a meal. You like to be invited to a meal. I know I do. I know we do, I should say. <laughs> <clears throat> when we gather around the table, we gather around the table because Christ is worthy and he prepares a meal because we're not. We're not worthy. But he invites us. He says, come. This is a service for God and his glory and it's a service for us where we may receive more grace. Jesus is the host, but not only is Jesus the host, Jesus is the meal. Jesus is the feast. And it is very interesting in verses 22 and following, as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of, drank of it. And he said, this is my blood 
of the covenant which is poured out for many. In the Passover meal, the head of the family would explain what was going on at each step. I don't know if you've ever been to a Passover celebration, but somebody explains every step of that celebration. Well, here Jesus, the host, takes the central event in Israel's history, deliverance from Egypt, and he takes the celebration of the most holy of days, Passover, and Jesus makes it all about himself. He's worthy to do that. Jesus gives a new interpretation. He says, this bread is my body. This cup is my blood. The bread represents the body. The cup represents the blood. He is the Exodus manna. He points to his blood, not the blood of a Passover lamb. It's interesting to me that in a, earlier in Jesus' time with his followers and with some others, Jesus gave, gave some similar words in John chapter 6 when he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And unless we feast on Jesus by faith, we have no part in God's redemption story. But when those who are trusting Jesus gather around the table, we are gathering not only as participants in the Exodus story, but fully and finally we are participating in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He is not only the host, he's the feast. Thirdly, we see in this passage that Jesus is the covenant keeper in the midst of covenant betrayal. Did you notice in our passage, verses 17 through 21, after the Passover is mentioned, Jesus predicts that one of the 12 is going to betray him. He doesn't name Judas at this point. We, found out, we find out later that it's Judas. And did you notice down in verses 26 through 31, Jesus predicted that all of the disciples were going to flee when the shepherd is struck. And then he particularly tells Peter, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. So we've got prediction of betrayal up here, prediction of temporary denial down here, and then right in the middle if I can say it this way, of that sandwich. One up here, one down here, right in the middle, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, and he says these words. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Jesus' blood is the sign and the seal of the efficacy of, of the new covenant that was promised in the Old Testament and that was based upon Jesus' work in the New Testament. And Jesus is saying, this is my blood of the covenant. And that 
new covenant is for those who trust Jesus today. And among other things, it involves forgiveness of sin, God's law being written in our heart, God being our God, and we being God's people. And Jesus was saying, it's not the blood of a lamb, but it's going to be the blood of a Messiah that will ratify all these blessings. The blood of the covenant was like a wedding ring. It signifies a relationship. It's like signing on the dotted line. It's like a firm handshake with one who can be trusted. It was a legal document. There was blood shed at the first covenant at Mount Sinai. But here Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. We didn't read it this morning in the Mark passage, but you know what happens a little bit farther down. After they institute the Lord's Supper, they sing a hymn and they go out. They go from the upper room. They cross the Kidron Valley. They go over the Mount of Olives area and they go into a garden. And in that garden, Jesus prays and he mentions another cup there. Same word for cup. And Jesus prays to the Father, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus drank the cup of condemnation and God's wrath that he might offer to you and me a cup of salvation. Think of it. We deserved God's wrath poured upon us, but Jesus drank that cup for us. We deserved condemnation. But Jesus endured that condemnation and cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many, and he will be the covenant keeper among covenant betrayal. Even the twelve were involved in betrayal and denial. And folks, as we gather around the Lord's table this morning, let's remember he's the host He's the feast, and he's the covenant keeper. He will keep his word. It's done for his people. Before we partake, briefly, three ways this table and observing and participating in the table can be a means of grace for you and me child of God, as we walk with our Lord. The Lord's Supper is a feast of remembrance, a feast of communion, and a feast of hope. Now, I know what you're thinking. Feast? This little wafer. uh, wafer. Feast? A little cup of juice. But as we've seen, we've got to remember what they represent. It's a feast. We see these words in remembrance of me on the table up here. It's a feast of remembrance. The bread and cup are not here just to help us remember about an event that happened in the past, 
But they are here to remind us that God's promise is really true because Christ's death for you on the cross is as real as this wafer that I'm touching. And in a moment, I'm going to be tasting. Christ's death is that real. And this cup from which we're going to be taking that represents his blood. As surely as you can see the bread and feel the bread, can't really smell this little thing here, but you can smell the juice. Our taste, our senses are involved. And just as sure as we can touch and taste and smell, so surely has Christ died for you. Do this in remembrance of Jesus and remember how real it is, how real it was 2,000 years ago, and how real it is this morning. It's also a feast of communion. Sometimes we refer to the Lord's table as communion. It's a good title, good word for it because of something that Paul wrote about the Lord's table in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen to what Paul said in this short verse. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Now that word that's repeated twice in that short verse, participation, I bet a bunch of you this morning know the Greek word for that word, or I bet you've heard it, koinonia. That word means fellowship, it means communion, it means participating with one. At the table, there is something going on that is more than a mental exercise of something that happened 2,000 years ago. But Paul says that when you eat the bread and drink the cup, you are participating. You are entering the story, child of God. You are fellowshipping with. You are in communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a real presence of Jesus Christ at the Lord's Supper. Now, it's not a physical presence, but it is a spiritual presence joined with the work of the Holy Spirit. Wherever the Word of God is preached and wherever the Word of God is displayed in the Lord's table, there Christ is present. And He's here this morning. So we need to think not only that Christ did something for us a long time ago in the past, but that Jesus is here now. If I can put it this way, he's not an absent host. The host is here. It's his table. And then lastly, it's, it's a feast of hope. Just a moment I'm, after the deacons join me, <clears throat> I'm going to read some words that we hear usually when we observe the Lord's table. They, they're referred to by some as words of institution because they are the words that involve Jesus instituting the Lord's table. They're taken from, uh, the words are found in 1 Corinthians 11. I'm going to read them to you 
and this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is a feast of hope for the child of God. When you and I take of the Lord's Supper this morning, we are announcing something to ourselves, to one another, and to the world. We are announcing the Lord Jesus Christ died for my sins. Hallelujah. We're also announcing the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. We're doing this till he comes back. And I need to be waiting. I need to be looking. You're also saying to yourself, and we're saying to one another, and we're saying to the world, this is not the final meal. This is a small appetizer. The final meal is coming. And it's referred to in the book of the Revelation as the marriage supper of the Lamb. And who we are now is not what we will be then. It's a hope. We sang the words earlier. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. Many of us are groaning this morning for different reasons, maybe. I'm groaning more than I ever did when I get up in the morning <clears throat> or just get up from being seated for a while. There is a day coming for God's people. I was reminded of this hope this past week. Uh, one of our sisters in Christ went to be with her Lord and uh, Dot Cotton was a lady who enjoyed talking and did a great job communicating. She was a good communicator. I enjoyed listening to her talk. She fell three weeks before she passed away, and the the bleed in her brain, uh, it affected the part of her brain that affects speech, so it was hard for Dot to talk. But she still tried to communicate and did communicate some. But for those who were were around her, uh, they had to listen closely And her daughter, Rhonda, did that in the emergency room, and she said, I wrote down some things that she said to me. And because it reminds me of our hope in Jesus, I wanted to share those with our church family this morning. Dot said this. She said, I want to be like Jesus. Let me say it again. I'm sorry I fumbled. I want to be like Jesus. And then she said, I want to be happy 
with Jesus. And then she said, I want to go be in heaven with Jesus. That's the hope of the believer. One day we're going to be like him. And he said we're going to be with him forever. And in the time being, as we gather around his table, of which he is the host, and we think of him and he is the feast, he is here. And remember that he's the covenant keeper. He will keep his word. Before the deacons come to join me and as we share the Lord's table together, I want to give us all just a moment to silently go to the Lord in prayer. And you may want to talk with him, not out loud, but between you and the Lord who is with us. We are not worthy to come to the table, but we don't want to come in in an unworthy manner. It's a time when we can confess our sins, remembering that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In Jesus' name, amen.